This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Imagination makes huge demands on the brain. And when we use imagination, there's neural connectivity that occurs between many areas of the brain. But not all brains are equal. So people who have high creativity brains have different networks from those who don't. This means that the study of imagination and the study of brains is not a linear thing. Face recognition in objects um, requires a certain uh, uh, proportion of brain power that we call the face recognition area. And when people are thinking about faces, this is what is activated. Now, archaeologists, and I'm an archaeologist, can't access brains. All we can do is to have a look at items of material culture as proxies for imagination in the deep past. But how far back can we go? And it's perhaps important um, or relevant in a group like this to say, once upon a time. (laughs) Three million years ago at Makapan in South Africa, this little jasperlite pebble was found. And the question, of course, is, did Australopithecus have a face recognition part of the brain? And about 300,000 years ago, this flint hand axe with a shell in its center was found in the UK. And here the question is, was the fossil shell perhaps more important than the tool itself? Did it spark imagination? And about 300,000 years ago in Israel, at Berekat Ram, this little object that some people think was a figurine was found, and the use-wear traces on it were analyzed by Francesco Derrico and April Noel. And they discovered that it had, in fact, been purposely uh, modified. It had been ground, and there were some nick marks around the neck. What they also found, however, was that red powder tends to come off when this is ground. And so maybe it wasn't a symbolic artifact, even though it had been purposefully modified. Now, the important point about all three of these objects that I've shown you is that they represent outliers, not regular patterned behavior. And if we're thinking about imagination and symbolism, we need to know that this is shared behavior. So all of these objects could be accidental, though, of course, they give us a very nice clue as to how early imagination may have arisen. Proxies for imagination appear very regularly in the last 100,000 years, so there's no problem about recognizing them then. And they tend to multiply exponentially after that. 
So the first ones I'm going to show you are from Deep Kloof in South Africa. The oldest of these engraved eggshells is 100,000 years old, and they were found up till about 60,000 years ago. We know that they're water bottles because some of the openings down on the, the bottom right there um, have the ground openings just like the ones in the Kalahari today where you see a woman pouring water into this uh, water bottle. You can see that her water bottle is a little decorated there too, whereas the older ones, in fact, have much greater variety of decoration on them and perhaps engaged more imagination. Refitting suggests that the deep kloof water bottles were highly decorated. You can see that the patterning was all over them there. What I think is really important is that the engraved eggshell occurs at many sites. So we see it here at Clipdrift and at sites up in uh, Namibia. There you see a pathway up towards the west that has engraved eggshell, whereas the perforated marine shells that I'm, I'm about to show you have a pathway that goes up the eastern part of southern Africa. They don't only occur in the eastern part of southern Africa, they go right the way up to North Africa and into Israel as well. So let's have a look at those. These perforated marine shells that are probably beads are 72,000 years old, and yet the ones further north are even older. Some experimental work by Marion Faharan has suggested that people imaginatively strung these together in different ways. The oldest ones at the top were strung together in little pairs like that, um, the ones in the middle were strung back to back. And then the younger beads were strung in even a different way. Again, using imagination. I think it's important that shell beads are also found at Sabudu and Classy's River in South Africa. So once again, we have an established behavioral pattern. The Sabudu ones are 72,000 years old. The classes ones a similar age. But there's much other technology that, that occurs in the last 100,000 years that demonstrates the imagination of people at the time. You've already seen the Blombos engraved piece of ochre that is 72,000 years old. There's other engraved ochre from Blombos too, so once again we see a pattern there there's engraved um, ochre at Classy's River and at several other South African sites. At 100,000 years ago at Blombos, paint was manufactured in an abalone shell. And this was red ochre mixed with a number of um, ingredients, including an unknown liquid. We don't know what the paint was used for, but we do know that it was a compound, complex, mixture. At Sabudu, there's also paint. It was found on this flake here, 
And this paint was made out of um, ground red ochre powder mixed with casein, casein being a milk product. Was this perhaps the first tempera uh, paint that was ever used in the world? I think it may have been. At Sabudu, there are also many imaginative adhesives made out of things like red ochre and resin, or red ochre mixed with graphite, mixed with other products, sometimes fat, a whole variety of adhesive recipes. Also at Sabudu, this time at 77,000 years ago, people imagined how they could get rid of insects that buzzed around their bedding annoyingly at night. And so they placed aromatic leaves, in this case cryptocaria, on top of the sedge bedding. And these aromatic leaves are slightly poisonous and probably kept the mosquitoes away. Burial, something that has only briefly been mentioned up until now, allows our imagination in a different way. Because when we see burial, we know that people were imagining ancestors. They were thinking about the after people as well as the afterlife. The earliest burial that we know about so far comes from Israel at Skull and Kafsa. And here the burials, which are repeated, as many as ten at a time, have been buried with shell beads, perforated marine shell, and red ochre as grave goods. Then at Border Cave in the Labombo Mountains of South Africa at 74,000 years ago, an infant was buried with this conus shell, which had been perforated perhaps as a pendant. The little sketches over on the left were from the excavation in the 1940s. Through time, burials became much more complex, and here in Russia at 34,000 years ago, we see one of the most beautiful um, burials that, that has come to light so far. It's a young man on the left, that's the archaeological example, covered with 3,000 mammoth ivory beads with fox canines and um, bangles made of ivory. And the reconstruction on the right suggests that these decorative items may have been stitched onto the clothing that he was buried in. But when we think of imagination, we can hardly separate it from fantasy. And probably the earliest secure archaeological evidence for fantasy is the Lion Man from Germany 32,000 years ago. This is an ivory figurine, the figurine of a, a human figure with a lion head. This kind of therianthrope, because the mixture of animal and human features um, defines a therianthrope. It's a manifestation of, of an abstract concept, but it really is the first evidence that we have of true fantasy. It's not the only one, though. And at Apollo 11 in Namibia, 27,000 years ago, the motif of a feline is used again. 
Here on the painted slab, you see half human, half feline. The head is a feline and the back legs are human. And this slab was buried in the little cave that you see up on the top left there. Now, all the evidence that we have for imagination and highly developed technology, some of which I've shown you, can be used to imply that we had complex cognition and modern brains way before any of this evidence that I've shown you. Right back to 300,000 years ago when Homo sapiens first arrived in the archaeological evidence. But for once, let's turn this idea on, on its head and say material culture itself is not passive. And so when people manipulate items, when they work on material culture, this is stimulating their imagination and their cognition. And by doing, we develop the brains even more, we develop imagination further. And it's this kind of thing that leads to um, increased uh, technological development through time, increased imagination, increased creativity. And thus we can say that technology and cognition and imagination engage with each other reflectively and reflexively. And the reflexivity that we see between the technology and the cognition and imagination gave rise to what I've demonstrated to you, the exponential growth of material culture by 100,000 years ago. So all of the things that I've shown you, beads, paint, art, engraved ochre, engraved ostrich eggshell, adhesive recipes, bow and arrow that I haven't mentioned, new tool classes and burial. All of these appear very rapidly by 100,000 years ago. We may have had the humble beginnings of this earlier than that, but certainly we get definitive evidence by 100,000 years ago. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.